Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participant's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Oh, Stomping Jen, episode 94. Oh my God, can you believe it? The Soft Serve Podcast. 94. I am Sawtooth Frank, you are Stomping Jen. This is the Soft Serve Podcast, and on this episode 94, we have a very special guest, a dear friend. Known only to the world as Jay. He is going to tell us about the very interesting work he does in public access television. He works for a municipality in Massachusetts, but he is also going to tell us an important story about a health scare he had regarding a heart attack, believe it or not. And I think there's a lot for us to talk about and learn from that, too. So I'm excited. This is kind of a dual subject show. We don't usually do multiple subjects, Stomping Jen, but this one will be. Excellent. We ready to go? Yep. All right, let's do it. Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Oh, Stomping Jen and Jay, welcome to episode 94. Say hello, Jay. Hi, guys. Stomping Jen and Soft Oh, yeah. Thank you for being here. I talked <laughs> over you already. <laughs> Steamrolling you. Start. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us. We're really excited to have you come mm-hmm. on the show and talk to us about these two subjects, which I think are really important. Actually, mm-hmm. um, the Definitely. first, the first one being um, cable access TV mm-hmm. that many um, towns and municipalities provide are municipalities and towns the same thing is i think th- a municipality covers towns and cities it does okay so we'll just say municipalities. so yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about that that's what jay does professionally and then i want to talk a little bit with jay about a health scare he had recently um involving a heart attack um now full disclosure um we're personal friends <laughs> that's how i know about this heart attack right yes Yes. Yes. So, um, but I'm excited because I was the one who had the idea to invite Jay. How dare you take any credit <laughs> for anything on this podcast? Because to me first. yes, because I am very interested in this topic, actually. Okay. Not the heart attack. I mean, I'm interested to hear more about your heart attack, but um, yeah, uh, specifically, I'm interested in learning about municipality media. 
Okay. And that's because you are involved in a town municipality. Everybody knows that. Yes. And you're this is common knowledge. Somewhat involved with the business end of that, I think. So Yeah. All right. Um so I think a good place to start might be with um letting him introduce himself. Letting him introduce himself. Yes. And the reason I didn't do that was because we weren't going to talk about the specific town, but oh. and we're not saying Jay's last name. So there's very, yeah. I think, little he might actually be able to say in terms of an introduction stomping Jen. Oh. Well, why don't we let him decide? All right. Should we let him decide? All right. You can decide, Jay. Please go ahead. Say whatever you would like about yourself. Well, thanks, guys. Um, no, so I've been involved in community media for. It's about 10 years now. Um, I kind of um, got my start. Um, it was right after I went to back to school for my animation degree, um, which is about 2008. And then kind of after graduating, I was like, well, what am I going to do with this now? Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, I had kind of looked around town just trying to find some stuff to, to do to be able to use some of those skills. And um, I came across uh, the local media station in town, mm-hmm. um, and they were looking for someone to run an animation camp. Oh, cool! So I, um, yeah, I, um, I offered my services as a volunteer, and um, you know, did a camp with kids for about two weeks, and um, really enjoyed it. And um, they had me, you know, asked me if I wanted to do some more because a lot of it is volunteer based. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I started just doing, um, working on local TV shows, crew stuff, um, you know, just trying to help out with computer stuff because I had that background as well. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, eventually, you know, the opportunity came up to um, join a small station and, um, you know, I applied for the job and um, it's kind of really how I got my start in everything, you know, and I've been doing it ever since, so. Yeah volunteering so so local level volunteering to meet the career opportunities sorry yep no that and i just want to reinforce that so you you kind of got your foot in the door Mm -hmm. with a lot of this work by starting out volunteering yeah yeah again they just you know they needed some help just you know they had a group of about five or six kids and they were um they were doing a claymation camp and a lot of access centers are you know, staff-wise, there's only a couple people usually. Um, so volunteers definitely help them kind of, you know, be able to produce all this stuff. So, um, yeah, no, I helped out. It went really well. And then, you know, some of the employees there asked if I wanted to kind of help out more, um, which I did. Um, just, you know, local talk shows, you know, stuff of that nature. Yeah. And then, like I said, um, you know, the person who was the operations manager there, ended up leaving and you know the the job posting went up and i applied for it and um you know went well and um got the job so yeah nice now when we look around we see most towns or municipalities i'm gonna have trouble with this stomping jen and jay most municipalities that have a cable provider Mm -hmm. also have this public access channel structure Mm-hmm. That if my research was right, has to involve um, like a public channel, an education channel, and a government channel. And I'm curious, Jay, if you could tell us a little bit about why why that is. Why do why 
do towns and municipalities have to provide these things? Things. Yeah, well, I think it kind of, I think it goes as far back as the 70s, but in the 80s, it kind of really came um, together with some of um, like the laws that they had passed with, um, you know, what it, PEG stands for is public, educational, and government. So those are usually typically the three channels that, um, you know, a town would have. And it, what it is, is, is the cable companies, um, along with the municipalities come up with an agreement it's it's for them to do business in town and then there's a certain fee like a franchise fee that goes to funding these stations okay um right so if you um have a provider in town say um spectrum or comcast or whatever as part of the residents who purchase services through the cable network there's a surcharge fee on everybody's bill that goes towards this pot of money. Yeah. Right. And that gets negotiated with, this is my understanding of it. So if I'm wrong, Jay, you know, let me know. And Uh, then it gets negotiated with the town um, who is, uh, you know, making these agreements with the cable providers. um, And then they get um, reimbursed a certain amount of money in a form of a grant. Yeah. And, in my research, in my research in this, mm-hmm. what I saw was it has a really complicated legal history. As Jay mentioned, mm-hmm. um, I think the first, maybe the first laws around this were passed in the '70s. Then there was a big Supreme Court case in the '80s that was supposed to make it easier, but then actually made it harder in some ways, or gave gave towns more latitude, mm-hmm. or municipalities more latitude in how they distributed the money like it's it's really complicated and mm-hmm. one of the things i i was curious about and it was hard for me to get from my reading was the the why like why do cable companies have to give this money to municipalities so they can have these channels is it a uh, to avoid a monopoly type of situation or or is it just to ensure that people who are paying for this service are able to be represented on it. Mm. I'm curious if, if either of you know. I'm not sure. I can speculate, but maybe Jonah, Jay knows the answer. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it was, you know, to, to give people a voice in a way, you know, and make it kind of democratic in that way. And, you know, a lot of it too is just the cost of, you know, like a cable company coming into a town and have it to, you know, install lines and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so there's there's also that side of it as well Mm -hmm. which i I think you know was what the contract was really about in the 80s yeah um yeah it's probably like a kickback like we are going to provide this service to your residents we're going to invest in all the infrastructure and lay all the lines and you know and you know in return we'll give you some money back for choosing us as a provider i mean i don't even know if that's true but yeah, and and I think yeah, I think you're both likely right, right? Um, my my based on what I think I remember reading, it's more on kind of what Jay was saying. I think in making sure the people have a voice and it's more democratic because right. these companies come in, they're using the town infrastructure, right? No, to, it's their infrastructure. Like the poles, they own the they poles. They own all the oh. infrastructure, which is why once one provider enters into your community and lays all the infrastructure, yeah. 
it's very hard for another company and another provider to come in and take away that business from that town. So switching providers is now, it makes it cost prohibitive because then, you know, that provider that the town has an arrangement with will have to pull up all the infrastructure and a new company will have to come in and put on all that infrastructure, which is why this is such a hot topic in communities such as our own, where people are always complaining about our cable provider, but it's like, they're kind of, you know, we're in bed with them. We're in bed with the devil because (laughs) there's no other option. We have one provider. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of the towns I have worked for usually have, you know, it comes down to the big two Comcast Comcast and Verizon. So really? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, Jay, do you know? Do they? Do those cable companies share the infrastructure, or does the town? Do the towns or that you've that you've worked for? Do they, do they provide the infrastructure, and the the companies just kind of like rent them? Yeah, I suppose so in a way. Um, you know, I know as far as kind of our equipment is that Verizon and Comcast they do install their own hardware in you know like 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 in a town hall and. Um, you know, we, we kind of would broadcast on their equipment, but I think it's, I think it's more like a right of way thing is mm-hmm. how it's been described to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. So whatever the case, we, yeah. we know it's incredibly complicated. It is complicated. And it is, a, yeah. has a long legal history yeah. behind it. But um, I think the good thing about it though, as you've both have said, is it gives people a voice, right? To be mm-hmm. able to, express themselves and to get information from the town. So Jay mentioned this acronym, um, PEG, P-E-G. Um, so, um, and that stands for public educational and government. So what kind of stuff would we see on a public channel? So public, we usually, um, allow for anyone in the public and in the kind of the way that like a non, um, an access station would work is you would have to either, live in town or work in town to be able to use those services. Um, and a lot of these um, access stations, they charge a very minimal fee to become a member. So it may be like $10 for the year, but that gives you kind of the ability to use all the equipment to mm-hmm. produce shows. So anything on the public is typically um, uh, community produced. So like right now we have a couple people in town who do a cooking show. Mm -hmm. So something like that would be put on there. Um, You know, anything, talk shows are usually kind of popular shows that people produce. Mm -hmm. So that would go on public channel. And we also kind of go online and take from other towns that are producing content. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with COVID, it's a lot of people have been producing like exercise shows just to kind of keep, people have Ooh. you know give them something to watch do um, they do they produce do they produce those like in their homes they do yeah. yeah a lot of you know there are producers who do produce their own shows and i've you know i've seen it on a very small scale and um, on the other you know side that's a large scale with um you know like five or six guests um you know in in i produced a you know a talk show that was it was kind of a video game show and um you know, so there's stuff like that. Um, so any, anything kind of community produced would, would be specific to that channel. Concerts, um, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. 
Yep. So that's where the that's where the 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 residents get to put their generated content. You just like opened up like a whole world for me in Why? terms of ideas because there's stuff that's being happening in the community and like traditionally the way that I've thought about it, it's like we have to ask our community television people to produce. And I know that we recently had like meetings with them about like could we put content if people come to our community access channel with content would they put it on and they were like yeah but i didn't think about like exercise classes and like collaborating with like our local library or whatever to get their programming onto our cable network yeah one one thing we've noticed lately is a lot of churches are coming to us to Mm -hmm. get their services on because people just can't get there right now you know they can't they can't gather in large groups um you know, and, and it's really important to people to be able to see that. So mm-hmm. we've the t- worked with a couple churches to, you know, get them the right equipment, you know, mm-hmm. kind of om- almost act as consultants of, you know, mm-hmm. this is the gear you would need to, to be able to do this. And so we've set up about two or three where, you know, they'll they'll stream to like, like a Facebook or YouTube, but they'll also send their stream to us, which we will, you know, broadcast throughout the community. Mm-hmm. Does the town or municipality, do they take a position on something like a religious entity coming and saying, we want to use the town money to do this? It's kind of a fine line. You know, you don't want to really kind of give too much preference, I guess, but it's, it's all worked out pretty good. So um, yeah, it's, again, it's tricky with religion, you know, you just couldn't, town. yeah. Like you just couldn't pick. You probably couldn't pick one over the other and say, "Right." This so is we've the, tried yeah. to allow anyone who wants to do it. We'll, you know, say we'll give you a little time slot on Sunday to to run your services. So we've had about, you know, three or four come to us now. Hmm. Um, churches so that, again. That's kind of just what might go on a public channel. Mm-hmm. Has it, has, is one of them the Church of Satan by any chance? Because <laughs> no, they haven't approached us yet. <laughs> I love those people. They are amazing. <laughs> no, I mean, just like a real quick aside, they have been um, huge proponents um, and drivers of free speech in this country. Mm-hmm. They're pretty amazing people. Um, but, all right, so no Church of Satan. Um, so what kind of stuff <laughs> would we see on an education channel? So education channel, um, you know, for us within town, it's it's anything that the schools produce, um, which might be, you know, uh, we do a lot of sports, local sports. So um, that's kind of our big thing. And that I think that's what people want to see the most. And like but school committee um, meetings, too? We do um, also that's cover government. school committee meetings, that's but government. it could be, um, you know, concerts that might be happening at the high school. Um, recently we've done a lot with graduations, um, just because again, with, with COVID, it really, you know, affected the schools and, you know, even today, I know their, um, or yesterday graduation, um, kind of virtually. So, you know, the, the local center was there and filmed it. So it, it, it it really kind of helped people be able to, you know, watch the kids graduate, Mm -hmm. you know, where they, yeah can't gather together right now um we've done some other things like award ceremonies um so a lot of stuff came out of covid this year um situation where we were 
you know, helping them produce like, like the scholarship night, which, you know, they would have held at their local school, um, but where they couldn't gather like that, we kind of went in, helped them produce content, um, put it on the web. So, you know, friends and family could, could um, kind of take part of it in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, th- that infrastructure, right, kind of that we take for granted, like, oh, cable and public access TV, it's been sitting there waiting for its opportunity to kind of serve the community in a mm. big way. And like this, like Jay was just saying, like this pandemic turns out to have been a way for, for the community to really leverage value out of that. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it just from the governmental level, like pulling, pulling our sort of antiquated systems into more of an, um, more current technological, like, you know, landscape. I've, you know, with all of the online meetings and every public meeting has to be online and televised and or open to the public, which is, you know, leads into the government channel because right. that's what our town does. We our our local ca- cable access. They um, televise a lot of the the select board meetings. And yeah. um, so what kind of what kind of governmental business gets shown on these channels? Is it just. So is it just town and select board meetings? Is there other stuff? Well, kind of like what Stomping Jen had said, um, you know, before kind of the pandemic happened, we, we would film a lot of government meetings um, and broadcast them. Um, and we were doing that within our facility where, you know, we have cameras in a room and, you know, we you know, controls and switchers and we can, you know, do it all right there. Um, but when this all happened, things kind of really changed where in order for a lot of these boards to be able to meet is that they had to broadcast or stream on the web um, to comply with the law. So, you know, when that happens, we found ourselves <laughs> covering boards that we probably never would have done, you know, like they, they would meet in person, but we wouldn't film or televise them. So we had to really kind of ramp up what we were going to do, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we kind of scrambled for a little while. Well, what's the best way to, to get this out? So we, you know, we looked at a lot of software, you know, we kind of went into the WebEx, the Zoom things. And then, yeah, it, it just, we, we were probably doing maybe 20, 25 hours worth of content every week. Um, to make sure that these boards could meet and comply with the law. Did you have to keep business going, you know? Did you have to scale up your staff in your in your municipality? Not so much staff, no. Um, cuz our staff is is very small. It's myself and my director and just one part-time person and she the part-time person, you know, she was covering a bulk of the meetings. Um but when you know, kind of everything happened with the technology, it it it, be, it it the ability to kind of run these meetings required two of us to always be there, mm-hmm. um, just because of the way like some of our hardware works. Um, so yeah, we we definitely had to invest in some stuff, and you know, we didn't stream anything until this kind of all happened. So, yeah. you know, we had to look at streaming software and coders and, mm-hmm. you know, laptops. And we were doing all of this from home as well. So that was yeah. a, a unique situation. 
Does your does sorry? No, go ahead. In your municipality, do you were you handling that for like the town entire, or does your the town that you work with um, have like a IT department also that was helping to coordinate those those um, pieces? A, a little bit. So the, our IT department is kind of separate. I mean, they handle a lot of all the other IT needs, but we as a department really kind of handle our own needs. I mean, yep. there may be occasion where we have to work with them a little bit to mm-hmm. like configure some IP addresses or firewalls or stuff like that. But yeah. for the most part, we, we kind of handle everything for the telemedia department on our own. And that's kind of my biggest role is, mm-hmm. you know, being the operations manager is that I, I do work a, a lot with the, the infrastructure and, mm-hmm. you know, setting up the hardware, finding what we need to, to kind of make it all happen. So with this, we, we, you know, we looked at some, um, I think we started using OBS, which is a, a streaming software, which I think was a lot of people use it to like, you know, broadcast video games or something, but it really worked out well for us. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a platform like Twitch or something? Is that a- yeah, it's so I think it's almost like a free software package. And I think a lot of people do use that for that, you know, thing to go yeah. to Twitch and broadcast. But um, yeah. It really worked out well for us to be able to. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting how you you mentioned that some some of these platforms they they started or had their genesis in the gaming world, right? Where people would stream um, their sessions of gameplay out, but now the these platforms are growing like way beyond gaming mm-hmm. and spreading everywhere, like Twitch. Like people have Twitch channels for everything now and i wouldn't be surprised if like a town got onto twitch and started like a twitch channel to stream its content that's why i asked that every time yeah, you say yeah. twitch i twitch <laughs> i'm just kidding well we started a twitch channel for soft serve like looking down the road uh-huh. thinking about potentially live streaming at some point yeah yeah no it was challenging because we had never done anything like that before and, you know, I'd say the first couple of weeks were a little chaotic, you know, no mm-hmm. one knew how to use WebEx or Zoom and, you know, yeah. um, you know, trying to, and, and some of these meetings can have like, you know, 40, 50 people on mm-hmm. there at a time. So, you know, trying to make sure everyone's muted and, and the quality is good and, you know, just trying to get it done was, um, was probably our biggest hurdle. Mm-hmm. But I think after, you know, two, three weeks of, of doing it, it, you know, it all kind of came together. People started to learn the platforms a little bit mm-hmm. and um, it, it worked out really well. And it allowed the public to comment on stuff that was, mm-hmm. you know, important to them. So especially with like a selectman meeting or a yeah. planning board meeting. I feel like it's made it much more accessible for yeah. people who otherwise wouldn't have engaged or taken the time or had the ability to you know, drive to a meeting and sit in a meeting in, so, a, in a room. One thing I was wondering is using streaming platforms to push content to something like Facebook Live or another venue, um, does that decrease, has that decreased the engagement with the actual like cable channels I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always been going in that direction. You know, kind of before 
the pandemic, I think a lot of these stations were struggling to kind of find ways to stay relevant. You know, a lot of people were cutting the cord and, and getting rid of cable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and even up to last year, a lot of stations, there was going to be some changes in the way the FCC kind of distributed the funds. So, you know, last year, a lot of stations were worried about their funding and it kind of kind of got pushed aside. But, yeah, you know, um, I think I think the web is in streaming has actually brought more attention to it and kind of brought media back in a way where, you know, some people might just, you know, if they're on their TV, they might just skip something like that. So so does this stuff, do these meetings, do they get simultaneously streamed like to a web platform and also the cable channel? We do now, yeah. yeah. So the way we do it, and again, because of the laws that we have to stream those, yeah. but before we, we typically would just broadcast on the channel and maybe upload something mm-hmm. like the next day. But now we um, we go live on the channel, and then we also send YouTube. And if, if it's the case where we might have like two or three meetings going on at the, the same time, we've even like incorporated Facebook, and we also have the ability to stream on our town website. It's just a kind of a, a service mm-hmm. that's offered through our hardware providers. So. Yeah, like I can definitely see a continuing future for the educational and government like channels on a cable service. The thing that I wonder about, especially with um, stuff like YouTube and people creating content at home, like we know, you know, like we know people make their own cooking shows and put them on YouTube. Like I'm, I'm wondering if there's a a streaming future for towns that involves like a town YouTube channel for hosting content that people make that would have been on a public channel. Right. So we actually do have a YouTube page where we we do upload everything to that. So, you know, anything that would have aired on any of those channels is typically put up on the next day. So people can go back and, um, and watch it yeah and i think that's great and i'm I'm glad to hear at least your town is kind of thinking that way you know and thinking about you know let's continue to keep ourselves relevant you know and try to keep up with keep up with the times i'm sure not every town is thinking that way right now even though youtube even though youtube is a pretty old platform and technology at this point but well i just think about like accessibility issues like you think about you know if you are a senior and are used to putting things on a television as opposed to being on facebook or youtube or whatnot and you know having that additional media available to them to watch a program yeah it's a really good point your public access yeah you know, no, definitely, because I, I think that population is sometimes they're they're a little leery of technology mm-hmm. and, and don't want to kind of yeah. make that leap. And, yeah. they, and they're very comfortable with just kind of watching it on TV. But, yeah. you know, I think this year definitely changed things of yeah. how people would access that content. 
and we, and we do a lot with the the senior population um you know like i was talking about the exercise show mm -hmm. that was produced with the the senior center so it's you know we we make it available for people who don't want to kind of take the leap into technology yeah and to, to be able to view it but and it's all relative too, right? Like yeah. I'm thinking like 30 years from now, right? Yeah. We're going to be the people We're going to be the seniors. That 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 the town <laughs> right, that the right. town employee that the town employees are saying, "Oh, they don't want a neural link into our right. programming. They exactly. want to stream it." Yeah. Right? They want to see it on YouTube or yeah. Twitch or whatever like Well, I mean, and conversely, like I think about like a place like the Family Center that, you know, you know, services the 0 to 5 population in town, you know, like there's something to be said about putting on a show produced for the family center for children that's not on youtube or facebook also or a teen program like i think about our own children who are not on facebook but you know our teen our library has a lot of programming for teens right now and so like i see it because i'm on facebook and then i have to like feed the information to my teenager like hey they're having a trivia night like right. maybe you should you know do it he doesn't get the information because he's not on Facebook, right? So, but they are, but they are on like YouTube, right? Like they I watch know. tons they of stuff on YouTube. On YouTube. I know. Well, yeah. So one, I don't know. It's yeah. One thing I'm wondering is, is there, and this is kind of a geeky question, is there a way to track how many people are watching a a public access channel? So I'll say it's very hard to do on the actual channel. It's yeah. not like, um, I'm trying to think of the name of it, the Nielsen, like with right. all that data. <laughs> so we don't really have a good ability to track that. What we can really track well is the streaming stuff because, you know, all the analytics are, are right there for you to look yeah. at. So I think we kind of almost have to depend on word of mouth <laughs> with the channels, unfortunately. Like, you know, we might hear in town, oh, I saw that meeting the other night, or oh, I saw that show. I wouldn't say it's huge numbers <laughs> um, just because of the nature of the programming. Yeah. But it, yeah. again, it, it's, it's very difficult to track that, unfortunately. Yeah. Are there, and you talked maybe a little bit about this, um, Stomping yeah. Jen. Are there are there obvious benefits to keeping these channels around and putting programming on these public access cable channels versus other platforms I like think you put it YouTube on all and the, the platforms? Web. I think that's what Jay's talking yeah. about is that you mm -hmm. you make it accessible by putting it on multiple platforms, yeah. but using the same content. Yeah, and part of what I'm trying to do is play the devil's advocate <laughs> here too. You. You know the 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 stodgy town manager who says you know no cable and only cable access channels and we don't need this other stuff. I don't think any town manager would say that. If yeah, I was a I town to manager, I would. The, um, the administration has been very supportive of what we're doing, um, especially with with all the different platforms. Um, I think just having the channel is just another way for people to access it, you know, yeah. and maybe that will change in 10 years where, you know, more people are cutting the cord and, you know, don't, mm -hmm. don't want to pay for cable anymore. And unfortunately that would definitely, it, it definitely affects our funding in a way. So we don't necessarily want to see that, but yeah. I think it will evolve. I think it's going to stay relevant. And I think this year really showed us that, 
yeah, we are we are still irrelevant because I think the past couple of years we were we were definitely scared a little bit. I know a lot of stations were yeah. worried, especially with some of the rules that they were proposing. So Yeah, and for me know. yeah, and for me, like an an obvious reason about why we still need these channels, right? Is YouTube, Facebook. I mean, these are these are companies, mm-hmm. right? They're privatizing they can, all your information. They can shut down their, like you said, privatizing your information. Yeah. You know, I don't think they're they're not long. They may not be long term sustainable um, venues for distributing information. So I think, I think towns are always going to need this kind of um, reliable. Um, method of being able to give people a way to express themselves but also distribute information yeah i mean that's the other big thing um you know is that you know people get their information in so many different avenues right they get it online they get it in the paper they get it on the tv i mean there's just so many different sources of information and you still will find people, you could put it on every platform that you can think of, and people will still not get the information. You can mail it to them, you can call them on the phone, you can send it out on online channels, you can put it on the TV, and they still don't see the information. Yeah. You know, so hitting them with as many different bullets as you can possibly get out there, I think is, you know, really important. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So one question I wanted to ask here was, do you ever run up against issues about free speech? Like, have you ever had somebody come to you in your department and say, I want to put a show on about this thing? And as a department, you've had to say, eh, we really can't do that. Yeah, again, that's kind of a fine line, too. I have never really seen it. I just, you know, nothing too racy or anything like that. Occasionally we'll get some content that might be, you know, you wouldn't want a kid to see it, but we don't try to censor anything. You know, what we might do is, okay, we're going to put this on at like an 11 o'clock time (laughs) slot or something. So it just, we're going to push it later and, you know, maybe the the kids won't see this again anything we do is nothing like Mm -hmm. r-rated or anything like that but 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 i imagine you have i imagine you have some guidelines around what kind of content like so no hate speech no pornography that kind of stuff right yeah stuff like that is is definitely a no um you know the swearing you got to be careful with that too um again it's not nothing that's really come up in my career but i know some other stations that have had had some challenges with that too so yeah but again we 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 definitely try not to censor anyone and give everyone a voice and a platform you know and and be equal about it as well you know Mm -hmm. do you get enough content to like have programming like throughout the day we do um again this year has been challenging yeah because for a while, you know, we didn't, um, myself and my other staff member, we would go out and film a lot of this stuff. So maybe we're like, we would do like three or four library events, you know, that could be a concert or a lecture. Um, 
and and that was usually good about giving us a lot of content we we the way we do it is we start at 6 a.m and then we usually stop our last program about 10 o'clock mm-hmm. um so we do we do have some stuff the library has been do, producing a lot of zoom mm-hmm. type things where they'll send to us so it's it's been good that we're keeping the content new and fresh and it's always um you know always different um but a lot of the access stations they share stuff so if we see a show we like we'll pull that down Mm -hmm. and then even um there's a couple things that we do where other towns will they'll do like a live talk show in the morning Mm -hmm. we have the ability to kind of take that stream and bring it in so do you have to do do you have to do that by agreement like do you have to reach out to that yeah Yeah. we do have agreements that you have to sign um, like a producer agreement and it's very you know very standard stuff you know nothing crazy but they do all producers have to fill out that form to be able to produce shows we don't have any forms what on our show the soft serve podcast. I think we yeah, need a well, form. A form for what? Oh, you didn't. You didn't make me sign it. No, we didn't. We don't make anyone sign a form. A liability form. Uh, any kind of form. Jay they're, has they're me worried. They're gonna come back and sue us. Yeah, Jay has me worried. We didn't have any forms. Uh-oh. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm really worried about this form issue. All right. Um. But it's, so, I guess it's a little sad too because yeah. we had you know we we put a lot of investment into a studio the past year, and it just doesn't seem like we're gonna have the chance to kind of use mm-hmm. that right mm-hmm. now just with everything happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're hoping that you know as things get better, what people will want to come back and start producing shows again. You know, because it, it's a lot of fun for us. I mean. As, as media professionals, we, we like doing that stuff. You yeah. Know? What does your studio look like? Um, it's within a school. It's 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 nothing big, but you know, there's um there's three cameras usually, and a lot of stations are like this. They'll they have three cameras, switcher, all the audio equipment. You know, probably similar to a lot of what you guys are using for the podcast. Um, green screen, you know, so we can change the background. So they're small, but they're very functional. Is it in a school intentionally to provide like learning opportunities for students? Yeah, a lot of them do have media classes, but they don't often like broadcast to a channel or anything like that. You know, it's just, it's usually kept within the school. So, you know, but wow. we've, we've worked with the schools quite a bit to produce content so and so you um, built so right before the pandemic hit you all built a a brand new studio (laughs) not so much built a brand new one but we definitely made some improvements to what they had um and we were starting like to get people really interested in it you know Mm -hmm. like oh yeah i want to do this and we're going to come in and then you know all of a sudden (laughs) it's like oh well we can't do that right now so you know hopefully as things improve, we'll be able to get back in there and give, you know, help people produce some content. Now, does your operation do production work for people? Like what's, could somebody bring you, you know, a series of video files and say, turn this into a a produced show for me, or do you do more training and teaching? Yeah. So not for this job as a municipality, we don't do a lot of production work, but I think, kind of last year 
and the year before is what a lot of the stations were doing. And this was very abnormal for them is that they started taking on production work um, just because they needed another source of revenue. Mm-hmm. When I first started, it was like, there's no way, no, we can't do anything commercial or anything like that. But people had to change their way of thinking. Um, so, you know, I have worked at stations where someone will approach us to, to create them a video that they can use commercially or for their business. Um, so it, we, we, we wouldn't do it, but a lot of, I think the nonprofits have gone that road where they will mm-hmm. offer services like that. And there, so before we started recording, yeah. we were talking a little bit about differences in how some of these um, media departments are structured or, mm-hmm. or, yep. and I think Jay, you were saying there's nonprofits and some are, can you, can you talk a little bit about right? that? I'm curious. Um, about- yeah, so I, so this is the first municipality that I, I have worked for. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a town department. It's, you know, it has that town structure, you know, there's a lot of benefits to that. Um, where the nonprofits, you know, they've always kind of worked in agreements with the towns. So the thing, I think the biggest thing I have noticed is um, just being a town department, there's a lot of support there that I don't don't think I always saw when working in the nonprofit world. I mean, they're very similar structured, but I think probably the funding is a little different. I, so I think I understand. Help me out here. So I think what you're saying is that a town that has a cable provider or providers is obligated to um, provide these services to its residents, right? I think we agree. So they get money. They get money to do that, but right. they can give that money to a nonprofit who provides those services. Is that what I'm hearing? I don't know. Jay would know more than um. So if yeah, it's a nonprofit model within a town, how does that differ from a municipality structure? I think that what the town would do is they basically would set aside, like they, they the town would distribute the funds to the nonprofit. Right. But the nonprofit was really kind of on their own as far as like creating the content and stuff. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's, a, it, it's the same, but... Now, our town stopping gen is it is our um, I don't know what it's called. Is it a media department? Is yeah. it a um, it's a community television community community television? Mm-hmm. That's a town department. Town department. Okay. And mm-hmm. yeah, right. I mean, we have budgets that need to be approved. Yeah. Like like any town department. I think um, you should rename it though. What Belchertown Community Television? Yeah, that seems it? too limiting. Well, based on what I'm hearing well, here, I what I will say yeah. is that I think a nonprofit would have more latitude to be more of a media department. Yeah, um, we also need a mayor, and I should be that mayor. Uh, that is a whole other yes, uh, Mayor Sawtooth. Um. Um. <laughs> Go on, Stomping Jen, please. Yeah, I don't know. 
Well, I do well, know. I mean, if you're like a nonprofit, right? Like you would yeah. have other revenue sources and other abilities to look for different grants, right? So if you're a municipality mm-hmm. and a town department, you don't have that latitude. You have the grant that comes from the cable network. And yeah. I don't know. Do you, and you may or may not get any additional funding from the town. I know our community television only gets the grant money from the negotiations with the I don't and think they get any. And would have a board of directors right. as well. Exactly. Making some of the decisions. So yeah. it's definitely different there. Right. So they have a little bit more of oversight from a, a committee or, or, you know, right. as you mentioned, a yeah. board, right? Whereas a town department would just, you know, they were town employees and they would report to the town administrator or mayor or manager or whatever structure that that town has. You were looking at me when you said mayor. I'm looking at you because you got me all discombobulated, but usually a mayor is like a city. (laughs) We don't live in a city. We live in a town. Yes. I accept your nomination for mayor. Stomping Jen. Um, So the training you provide to residents in your municipality, is it just on like the hardware aspects of a studio or do you do training on like final cut? Um, You know, um, what's the Adobe video thing? Um, yeah, no, we, we, we do it all, I guess, yeah. you know, um, a lot of, you know, if they want to do something in the studio, we'll certainly show them all the equipment there. Um, if they want to go out and film stuff, we have field cameras that we will train them on. Um, does that mean, does that mean you as a town employee have to know, like you have to like make an appointment with somebody like a two hour appointment and say, we're going to sit down and cover the basics of final cut. Or do you sit them in front of like a bunch of tutorial videos or like, no, no, we, it's all one-on-one training and they'll make an appointment with us. And you know, I've, I've done it. I've done studio training, camera training, um, certainly software training. And it's usually, you know, one-on-one for a couple hours. Yeah. Um, a lot of stations I know that will do like, they might break it up over a month or so and you have a two hour class. Yeah, we try to train anyone who wants to learn. Yeah, God bless you. Um, in in my line <laughs> of work is, is IT education, and one of the things I specialized in was for a time, a few years, I taught people how to use um, like iMovie, Final Cut Pro, and that is, I mean, those are complex problems um, to try to solve for people in terms of getting them to learn the conceptual models that the programs use. And you need a lot of patience because people, people come in at all sorts of different skill levels and, you know, teaching somebody a new technology is really hard work. I, I envy you to be able to do it that. It is hard work. You know, and like you said, it's, it's all different skill levels. And I've, I've worked with older people who just, excel at it you know and, and really take it on and, and are able to produce content and have worked with younger audiences as well like kids and um you know again you know you just gotta you just gotta find what works best for them and, and kind of you know adapt to that i think sawtooth yes that i sent a opportunity for you to volunteer at our local community television station educating our community on these different softwares especially being in IT education and already having curriculum developed for some of these topics let me respond 
that now stopping Jen, dude. So your station does it? Is it a big staff? Nope. Or? It sounds a lot like what you're describing. Okay, so probably actually, I think there are two people, both yeah. part time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's challenging, you know, yes. for two people. Yes, to and they make. they rely heavily on a. Um, an army of volunteers who help uh, assist in the taping of public meetings. So they have a bunch of people who tape public meetings. And then if there are events in town, they'll try to cover them. But, you know, two part-time people yeah, um, who obviously work full-time because, you know, they're retired from right. their, yeah, no, it's, know, it's, it's hard to cover everything without mm-hmm. those volunteers. Yeah. You know, we've had some great volunteers over the years who have, have really you know helped us out and and they seem to enjoy it as well you know yeah. they definitely get something out of it and and we've also used interns quite a bit too mm-hmm. you know and i don't know if, if you would be able to like yeah for the schools to kind of bring someone in yeah but I, that's been really good for us and a lot of these kids have gone on to college and, and are pursuing this as a career you know yeah so, do it, you do you use college interns ever uh we have yet not at this station so primarily we've done a lot of stuff with the high school you know seniors who are about to mm-hmm. go into college um but it's you know it's been great um yeah. they have a certain passion for it too you know i think that's the most exciting thing about this kind of work actually mm-hmm. are those um educational opportunities for other people right mm-hmm. and this is going to sound, of course, a little self-serving, but often when you're the when you are the keeper of such high-level technical skills, mm-hmm. right, and that when you can transfer those to other people and mm-hmm. empower them, mm-hmm. like that is such a good feeling. Yeah, you know, and kind of being able to yeah say, you know, now you don't have to come to me. You yeah. now you can do this on your own, and here you go. And that's actually. I loved hearing that, you know, teaching people is a big part of what you, what you do. I love yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's definitely very, very rewarding, you know, to, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, kids who have started when they're 14, you know, just a, a little interest in learning how to use a video camera and, yeah. you know, now they're going on to film school and, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's fun watching them kind of grow up through this and, you know, wanting to, to do this as a career and it's, yeah you know, so it's their passion so again in, it's um it in, is very rewarding in that sense in talking to my local our local community television so like i think one of the challenges that they face is the fact that you know their f- phones are so prevalent so people feel like oh i can just whip out my phone and take some video on my phone and but they don't understand the nuance of like actual like camera work and lighting and editing and all of those component pieces. And so I know that the struggle has been with our local community is connecting with, um, you know, the, the, the students, the school age kids in our community has been a struggle for, and a challenge for our local community television. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's so easy now you, mm-hmm. you have your phone and it's a video camera and right. you can, take that video and, and put it up to YouTube. But like you said, the nuances of it, um, I think that's where we can kind of help is right. kind of yeah. pass on our knowledge a little bit. So, you know, things are 
you know, there's a quality to it, I think, sometimes as well, you know? Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that, right? But I also think, um, like, the cell phone and yeah. these streaming platforms like YouTube and, like, Facebook have been incredibly democratizing to people, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, 10 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to set up a podcast studio mm-hmm. in our home office. Yes, I will just also say... Yeah. And I would, sorry, let me just finish. And I wouldn't have been able to learn and teach myself these skills for zero money, except for the cost of an internet connection, right? Oh, so you're talking about educational tools, utilizing the internet. What I'm saying is the whole paradigm of how information is produced now, locally on the cell phone and put up on the internet and like the DIY kind of Mm -hmm. modality of education and content production I think has opened up the world to people, mm-hmm. you know, again, like we wouldn't have been able to do this if I wasn't able to spend, you know, like months researching it on my own. That's all. I think that's a great thing, but I also hear what Jay, how dare you touch my board? I also hear what Jay is saying too. I mean, sometimes you might want a higher level of quality for something, right? You know, whipping out the cell phone may not be the right solution. Right. So, like, to use that metaphor that you were just talking about, when whipping it out. No. No. Go on. When 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 you started the podcast, yes, um, our equipment was, um, you know, pretty primitive. We started with a USB snowball mic. Right. You know, you recorded it, you tracked it, you put it on GarageBand and everything. Yeah. And that, you know, because we continued with this passion project, you upgraded equipment, right? So, like, where Jay is working, their equipment is, like, way higher quality than an iPhone. So, like, you start with an iPhone and then you really want more of that professional, like, look and feel to a video or, you know, whatever. You have to move up. And, yes, you can learn it, but maybe... The purchasing of the equipment is cost prohibitive, but hey, here's this local community access, yeah. uh, you know, department within our town. And for the low cost of $10, you join, they train you on the equipment, you learn how to use it. Yeah. And then you have that equipment that you didn't have to purchase that's available to you to use. And that is the, I think, the benefit of having these local community media. Yeah, no, departments. I definitely, as long as it's, as long as it's a, a non-commercial nature that people can check it out and, and go mm-hmm. out and film anything, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. We've had a lot of students do like student film projects using our equipment mm-hmm. and it, it's amazing what they can come up with and, and, um, and know, so, are able to produce. And, yeah. some, and sometimes nothing beats, you know, sitting down with another human being and mm-hmm. having them be like, Oh no, you know, you do it this way. Yeah. You click over there and you know, that, um, having that connection with another human being can yeah, also feel think, really good. I think a lot of people appreciate that. It's, it's, it's a little bit more, I guess, intimate than going on YouTube and looking at a tutorial or something mm-hmm. like that, you know? Yep, for sure. But, um, so what, uh, what else do you enjoy about the work? Um, you know, it's, for me, it's always just been my passion, you know, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to, work in media or animation or, you know, film. So it's definitely allowed me to kind of fulfill my dream, you know, a little bit. And I, I had kind of 
push that off. But going back to school for my degree in animation was was probably the biggest game changer for me. And then you know being able to work in my community and learn about my community was was a big thing for me. Like you know I was never really interested in local politics until mm-hmm. I started working in this field. And you know I I really do love it. You know, and I I get to you know use the skills I've learned and you know be involved and in um you know create content and you know that's that's probably again the most rewarding thing for me. Yeah. Anything pop into mind when you think about challenges with the work, like that some of the hardest parts of it? Um I yeah it's it would be this year. Just just yeah. for the sheer amount of hours we were doing just just to cover all these meetings, right. you know. It's, it was some long days, you yeah. know, and you're, 12 hour days here and there. And, and you, and you, you're, you and your department and your town are public servants. And, you know, when you have a crisis, like a pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, you don't think about it, right? You like when we walk around and it's in normal life, we don't think about how important something like the telemedia department might be in a national crisis Mm -hmm. like we you know we tend to go to the police and the firefighters and um you know the the select board you know those super those super important people um but you don't you don't think about like what a critical role like a tiny little department Mm -hmm. like jay's telemedia department um yeah i guess i i think people really saw the value in it this year yeah and one of the things about working with the town is how well we work together with the other departments mm-hmm. and how they've come to us when they need to get a message out, whether it be like the police department or the fire department or, you know, anything else, um, public works need to get messages out here. I think they really appreciate the kind of easiness it is to get something to us and we'll, we'll produce it. We'll get it out and get the message out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, the way that everyone came together as well this year and just all, you know, all departments were there for each other to, to keep things going as best we could um, during all this. So yeah, yeah it, it, it was, it opened my eyes up a lot this year, you know? Yeah. And thinking, thinking about the future, you know, someday we'll be beyond this pandemic. Hopefully yeah. there'll be a new technology out there. Like where do you, when you think about, public access and you know the technologies you're using to support it now do you have any thoughts about where it might be going or evolving to yeah i think i think we're definitely going to see more of the streaming stuff for sure you know i think it's i think it will eventually probably will get away from the kind of the, the channels um but again you know having that the streaming capabilities in place now um I think I think a lot of people are going to get the content that way, um, but again, I think it's still relevant. I think you know, um, it allows people to connect. Um, a good example is like with a lot of the school stuff. You, you know, a lot of you know, like a, a grandparent might want to see their grandkid graduate. You know what I mean? The streaming and the YouTube allows us to kind of provide that. You know, mm-hmm. where someone can be around the world and and see it you know yeah and how do you stay current with technology you know i I, you know as somebody who 
is in this field kind of like tangentially over here. Yeah. Like I am overwhelmed often by the sheer number of like choices available to me, like video editing softwares or, you know, streaming services. Like how do how do you, how do you stay current and focused on the technologies that you need to kind of accomplish your mission? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's definitely kind of a lot to digest sometimes. I mean, there's just so many different resources and, and, so much gear you can get so you know we i think what helps us is a lot of the media professionals we're all pretty close you know we, we kind of have like an online forum where mm -hmm. everyone's really good about sharing knowledge and answering uh. questions um very helpful providing a lot of feedback and and even on some of the equipment um you know might recommend this camera over this camera i think too we've kind of you know doing this for so long as we know what works well mm -hmm. versus something that might not work as well um so yeah, yeah it, it's a lot you know I, you know like you have switcher a switcher b and i'm sure it's kind of the same with the podcast stuff and, it is and uh, what 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 mic is going to be better than this one what's the benefit of it you know absolutely and, and i could tell you that forums have been the places I have found the answers to my most vexing questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I definitely try to go on there every day and, you know, someone might say, oh, my final cut is crashing. You know, what can I do? And it, it, it's just the support that you can get through something like that is amazing, you know. And yeah. I think that's what's kind of kept us as professionals going a little bit too, you know. Yeah. Is there anything that um, the quote-unquote average citizen of a town can do to support a telemedia department like yours or our own Belchertown community television stomping gen? What can what can people do? Get involved. But like how? What are some what are some ways people can get involved? Volunteer. But how? Uh, they can uh, help tape meetings they can learn how to operate cameras they can attend meetings they can um connect uh professionals with other professionals and spread the word awareness um they can help bring content to a station yeah no absolutely i agree i mean we 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 love people getting involved i mean that's you know like that's what we're there for so you know we want people to use it <laughs> you know um yeah. you know it could be as simple as come volunteer for a meeting maybe you want to sit there for a couple hours and just learn about it a little bit you know see how these things work especially if you you know have an interest in this stuff i think it's kind of the best way to, to learn about this stuff too yeah. i mean yeah. it's interesting too that you mentioned about town government and not being involved and um so when i was uh, meeting um, with our, our local community television station, um, trying to engage uh, a new volunteer. Um, so, um, one Be of the right back, you keep talking. One of the <laughs> one of the uh, station managers was talking about how there's one particular individual who has been the volunteer because of scheduling reasons or whatnot. Um, she always tapes the planning board meetings, right? So mm -hmm. she has learned so much about 
the planning department and what the planning board does, because the planning board meetings are really kind of dry because there's <laughs> a lot of regulation and bylaws and sure. zoning and things that normal people just don't like have the mental bandwidth to, you know, yeah, really focus on. To, yeah. No, it's funny you said that because I, you know, I've recently done a planning board meeting. I think that was like, yeah, you know, four, four and a half hours long. Yep. But like, I do have an interest in it, and, and even though it might not fight down, I just, um, you know, I, I do find it interesting, and it, it's cool to learn about that stuff. Right, you know, it's like, you know, I'm on the for me, yeah. Exactly, you know, like, I'm on the select board, and, like, a lot of times, you know, we have to weigh in on, like, things that the planning board are talking about, yeah. and it's like, um... Yeah, I don't know anything about a side yard step back or like why you need so many feet next to another. But like, you know, that's how you engage in your town yeah. and that's how, you know, things get set. And it's always when things are going wrong that the community shows up for these meetings and they all have right. an opinion about like why whatever this volunteer committee that's like that's their expertise, like why they're wrong and why they should vote some way or another because some mother's uncle read it on the internet or blah, blah, blah. Or, That's what it's about, right? Like yeah. you can, you can voice your concerns. You can, you can that Don't. you have that platform to kind of make it known. Did right. you say side yard setback? Don't That's a country dance. Oh my God. All right. All right. Get ready, uh, folks. We're going to do this. Taking this in a direction. I, I We're going to do the side yard setback. I cannot hear what Jay is saying. <laughs> Grab your part. All right, go ahead. What did you say? No, but it's funny that you mentioned side yard setbacks. Like, I've heard that term yeah. a million times. Yeah. Like, I still can't tell you. All right, now. <laughs> Grab your fence and step to the back. Move your culvert all the way to the left. You're getting a little punchy there. All right. Mr. So. <laughs> I like the side yard setback. That's a good dance. All right. So I have to ask this question. As a media professional, do you prefer Mac or Windows or do you deploy both? Uh, so we, we do have software and, and some systems that are PC. Um, but as far as editing goes, I'm just, I prefer a Mac. I'm more comfortable on a Mac. A lot of the animation software that I would use is is mac based so um a lot of media centers i have seen where they would have been windows before they they've all kind of shifted to mac as well it's the right answer it's the right answer (laughs) it's the right answer yeah if i had a choice then yes i would go with Macs all the time now stomping jen all mac all the time stomping jen and jay i i am disappointed that i did not hear that people are interested in podcasts making you, podcasts you can get let's, involved let's let our be yes. let's you don't have to berate so, me let's let so our guest I, respond please so one of the stations i used to work for actually um they did do podcast lessons mm. and they even had a little podcast studio so i think yeah people um, are yeah doing that yeah, yeah i have mentioned this to sawtooth that he has a open invitation to go to our local community television station and i can't keep my expensive gear in that place and i can't cart it back and forth it's nobody, too cumbersome nobody told you to they all have equipment over there no they don't have the right equipment then that's where jay back me yeah up. so i think this is this is like kind of the thing i was trying to say is 
if you want to make a podcast, maybe you don't have the expensive mics or the mixer, but you know, for a small membership fee, why not come in, learn how to do it and use the equipment and then be able to get your podcast and message out there. Yes. So I'm not suggesting that we bring our equipment over there. I'm suggesting suggesting that you get involved in studio and encourage the investment or utilize some of the mics that they have. And maybe for the low cost of a little bit of equipment, you could help them invest in some higher end Mm. equipment that other people in the community can then be educated with. Did you say get involved? I'm way too involved in this. Hey, mister. All right, I'm kidding. I'll get involved. Leave me alone. I mean, it's hard, you know, because we we all know people have are busy and, you know, don't have a lot of time. So we we definitely appreciate when people can volunteer just even an hour, you know. Yeah, even an hour. An hour or two. An hour or two a month. (laughs) You're going to give me a heart attack. Speaking of which. Oh, we're switching gears now today. (laughs) Well, no, before, there, before we do that, I, I want to say, was there anything else you wanted to say about the, the professional world you operate in? No, I just wanted to thank you guys for allowing me to oh, talk that was, about it and bring, um, you know, bring some uh, attention to it. Because I don't think a lot of people still realize that it's available in their towns. You know? yeah. And I would just kind of encourage people to, you know, look around, go on the town website. Mm-hmm. Do some Google searches, see if there's a station in your your community, yeah. and uh, yeah, try to get involved. And we we would love that. Okay, thank you. Um, thank I think you. I I think I think people will learn a lot from that piece of our conversation, and I also think people are going to learn a lot from this next piece of our conversation. Mm-hmm. So, and. And you scared me as your personal friend <laughs> a few weeks ago when you had this heart attack. Um, you know, yeah. I think you know we we have a we have a pretty close online group of friends and we communicate almost daily together. Mm-hmm. And um, so Jay let us know that he had a heart attack, and you know I think you know we were all really worried and you know shocked and and I guess I think I even asked in in our online space like how did you know like you were having one and yeah no it was it was probably one of the scariest things i've ever gone through you know i this year i kind of was doing my best to get healthy and i you know i for years i just i ate really bad i was a smoker and you know it's kind of the the new year's resolution thing like i'm gonna get healthy um and i was doing really good you know got a lot of the weight off and it, it was doing good with the smoking it was just you know one day i was just sitting here and i had just finished up um doing a, a one of these meetings and i you know i all of a sudden just felt kind of a like a tightness around my chest okay um so you know it, it wasn't really bothering me i just kind of sat down and i just noticed it started to kind of almost creep up like through my jaw huh where, where the pain was just so bad, like it was, it was like radiating in my teeth. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's just, it, it was just very uncomfortable. I, you know, I it just, I didn't know what it was. I was like, it, like, am I having a panic attack? Or like, you know, what is this? So I just, I at the 
time I, I laid on my couch and like, well, maybe this will just go away. And then, right. you know, I, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm not getting comfortable, I guess, you know, yeah. and it just, it started to get worse. And I just, okay. you know, I, I couldn't, <laughs> I, I could, I just couldn't stand still. Like I you know, had to keep moving. Um, so you felt, like, so you like felt antsy kind of. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, I'm thinking, oh my God, is this like COVID thing? <laughs> like, cause I'm having difficulty breathing at this right. point. I mean, um, so I'm just kind of, again, trying to hoping it goes away. And then, you know, I, I kind of ran into the other room where my parents were. I'm like, you know, something's really wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like I need to go to the hospital like right now. Like, I don't know what this is. So um, we how, hop in the car. And about, how much t- about how much time was it when you first started so noticing say that from feeling? The moment I started feeling it to when I actually got into the car, maybe 20, 25 minutes. Wow. So that's pretty quick. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, looking back, maybe I should have called like an ambulance. But I, I think getting into the car right away and driving was you know having my my father drive me there was probably it was probably the best thing because it would just would have been more time of me waiting here mm-hmm. yeah um so you know through the whole car ride i'm you know i'm i'm, I'm in a ball like clinching because it it just hurts so bad at this point oh wow um and then we you know we get to the the hospital and at, at this point like everything is you know very COVID proof. Like you have to like pick up the phone to call people and like in the waiting room, I'm like, you know, so I pick up the phone. I'm like describing to them what's happening. They said, okay, they brought me in and they had me sit in kind of like a waiting room. Yeah. And at this point I'm like, like the pain is getting worse. Like there's just nothing I can do about it. (laughs) Like I I just want like some relief at this point. Yeah, people often still don't know what's really happening either. Yeah, people often describe that you hear people say it felt like an elephant was standing on my chest. Was that like like that for you, or was it different? Yeah, like the pressure was. Yeah, it was almost like unbearable. Like someone that like had like like a cinder block on there, you know? Okay. Um. So finally, they get me into um a room. And they, you know, get me on a, like a stretcher or a table and all these people come in, you know, (laughs) doctors and nurses, and they're like hooking me up and, you know, just getting my shirt off and like putting like the, um, like the, you know, the the, the uh, diodes or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I'm, you know, just kind of waiting for them to do something to ease the pain. And they finally get me on some morphine to kind of bring that down. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'm kind of looking around and I'm terrified, you know, of course, like, I don't know what, you know, it's very, very scary. And then finally one of the doctors, you know, I look at her face and she's looking at like the screens and I can tell like her expression is not good. So, oh, no, that's never a good sign. <laughs> well, what, yeah. what is going on? And then finally she tells me, she's like, well, you're having a cardiac event and this is what we're going to do. It's like, we're either going to do this or this. And then, so what finally happened, did that make you, when she said that to you, did that make you feel any better? 
everything's flashing before yeah. my eyes. Like, right. like, oh my God, they're going to like cut me open. Yep. Like, you know, like I have two daughters, like am I going to see them again? So yeah. like I'm freaking out at this point, you know, right. um, she's like, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. So she like the nurse there was really good at like bringing me down a little bit, you know, like mm-hmm. okay, you're going to be all right. You'll get through this. But again, like I didn't know what procedure they were going to do or anything. Right. Like that. So, so eventually, yeah, they bring me into the, the, I guess the operating room and, you know, they put me on a table and, you know, before I know it, they're put a, um, tube up through my right arm like right in the wrist maybe a little pinhole size and they kind of come up through the arm and then come over and what they did was they placed the stent in the artery because it what they think had happened was like plaque fell off yeah and like blocked that hole oh, yep. <laughs> so yeah <laughs> holy crap so, so they went in I mean, I want to make sure people hear this. They all, all they did was make a little incision in your wrist. It was tiny. I, I, it was like, literally, it felt like a little, when I looked at it later, it was like a little pinhole. It was yeah. just tiny. It's amazing. But like, again, I, I'm thinking that like, they're going to put me under, they're going to like, cut me open, mm-hmm. you know, create crazy stuff. But it, it, it wasn't like, I was awake the whole time. That's and crazy. I could see, yeah, I'm looking at the screen. I could like actually see what he was doing. It was, it was very yeah. surreal. Especially with being on a little bit of morphine too. <laughs> yeah. Having yeah. to watch but, that. <laughs> exactly. But thank God, because I was in so much pain up yeah. until that point. Like I just needed something to, mm-hmm. to just get it under control. So and then that was maybe two hours. Okay. It was really hard to tell the time, mm-hmm. you know, what did, was going on. Did they keep you there overnight? So, you know, after they, so what they did is they put the stent in and, um, yeah, nope. They brought me to another hospital that was, they weren't taking any non COVID patients. So it was just mm-hmm. more set up for recovery. And then I probably spent not even two days there. Wow just wanted to monitor me and, and that night i felt like nothing had even happened that's crazy now yeah. was, did your heart um did your heart itself suffer any damage so the good thing is is it didn't i actually just had an echo about a week ago and they said everything's looking good um you know just keep up and you know now i'm on like five different medications, you know, thinners and all sorts yep. of stuff, mm-hmm. lower cholesterol, and you know, um, is yeah. that is that stuff you're going to have to take for on an ongoing? It, it, it could be basis? for at least some of them could be forever. Yeah, it's something that will get evaluated in about a year. Yeah. So, um, but yep. they were like, "Yeah, you don't ever smoke again." <laughs> like, you know, it, yeah. it it jolted me. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was some scary stuff. Yeah. yeah. Do they leave the stint in? Is that like yeah. a permanent? It thing? does. It does. Yeah. Yep. It stays in. It's almost. It looks like almost. I don't know if you've like seen those. I don't know, like those Chinese firecracker things where you like put your fingers yep, in your and in it. Yeah. yeah, it looks exactly like that. So is so. that what it does? It like plugs the, through the it, hole, like mm-hmm. like you put like a little straw yeah. inside your heart yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. basically keep yeah. the artery open. Yep, right. Kind of expands it a little bit. It's almost like little barbs that 
keep it open. So yeah, you know, it's everything work. I, I, one thing he said to me was I was very lucky and I was good to come in when I did. Yeah. <laughs> so it was almost, that's why I say it was probably a good idea to just go and not wait for an ambulance to yeah. come. Um, Cause you know, even minutes could have done some damage that would have not been. Yes. You know. So people, if you're listening to this, and you experience symptoms like that, you know, don't fuck around. Yeah. Get to a hospital. Yeah. Um, now it's no secret, you and I, we're not we're not exactly spring chickens, right? But we're you know, we're we're not old we're not ancient either. <laughs> right, Stomping Jen? You're not yet fifty. Right. I've got some gray hairs in my beard, right? <laughs> but I'm not fifty. We're not fifty. Did we're I, not fifty. I mean as, I mean, aside from like the obvious lifestyle stuff that you talked about, right? That you, sure. you know, need to change. Did they did they talk to you at all about like genetic predisposition? Where there's there anything else that might be behind so, this? So there is some history in the family as yeah. well. Um, but you know, I'm thinking, Jesus, I'm 46 years old, <laughs> you yeah. know, and this like this should not be happening. I mean, I guess you never know. And again, I think a lot of it was clearly my fault you know just from again years from living I, I think i always thought i was indestructible you know yeah nothing's mm-hmm. gonna happen but it it it, wow. it changes you you know yeah. you're a human but, being like the rest of us i'm presuming yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. unless this was your robotic mechanical heart that somehow <laughs> no, no, developed that a blockage yeah um so all right. So you mentioned, you mentioned, um, not smoking. Is there other stuff you are going to try to do to yeah, be healthier? No, like like it, what kind of stuff? You no, know, definitely like a heart healthy diet and, mm-hmm. you know, exercise is, is huge. You know, yeah. I, I have to change or had to change my whole lifestyle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I know the smoking is under control, you know, with the patch and, I get up every morning and, and try to do at least some cardio for at least, you know, a good 45 minutes. And yeah, um, yeah it's, 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 I was never the healthiest person, but this definitely, you know, yeah, w- was a wake up call. Like, you know, you, you need, you got to do this or you, you know, you won't be here. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, how often do you have to check in with the doctors about your heart? Like you said, you had an echo just not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I almost expected for them to want me to like call them every week or so, but it's, it's been monthly appointments. Um, You know, I had to fill my primary care in. So I, I check him, you know, quite often. I have a cardiologist. Okay. Um, yep. So, so, so far there, there hasn't been much. And again, maybe that's because a lot of people are just starting to take appointments again. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I was kind of surprised, like, this seems like a big deal. I feel like I should be talking to him right now. Mm-hmm. now you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But yeah, no, it's, it's definitely checking in and, you know, if uh, they're certainly there, if, if something comes up as well and, you know, there's even a medication I have that I need to take if I ever find myself feeling that way again. Mm-hmm. Right. I was going to say, I, I imagine there's this probably kind of um, ongoing feeling like it might happen again. And you're like really worried about that. Uh, yeah, no, certainly. You know, it's 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 happened, I'm sure. <laughs> 
you know, with all the smoking and, and stuff, it, it, it took its toll, you know? Yeah. Um, you can't change that, but you can, you can change how you go from there, you know? Yeah. But yeah, no, it, I, I'm definitely, you know, aware of that, that yeah. Okay. It could happen. And maybe I won't be so lucky next time. No, you will be. If it, God, God, for, God forbid you, you will be just as lucky. That's my prediction. Maybe um, with the changes, maybe yeah. I won't, you know, maybe I won't have to do that again. Go yeah. I mean, gosh, let's hope not. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I got to say like, I often walk around and, you know, will feel something in my body and be like, Oh, is that, you know, is that a heart attack or is that something else? And I think what I'm hearing from this, right, is that, um, you know, don't ignore those types of things. But, you know, it, it sounds like, yeah. you know, it's a, you'll, you'll, it is a kind of, it is a, pers- it is a persistent feeling, unlike you probably have never felt before, you've had one and an overall sense of, um, they often talk about how, when people are having heart attacks, they, they just get this general feeling that something is wrong. Something isn't just, something's just yeah. not right. So I don't, like, I don't, I don't think it was my actual teeth, but yeah. I, what I've heard is, is that you can feel it like when you're having one yeah. through the jaw and that's where I felt the pain the worst. And I just knew like, yeah. this is something, you know, this is a pretty big deal mm-hmm. here. You yeah. know, this isn't just some, yeah. I think my message is, yeah, I think my message to people is pay attention to your body, go to your doctor, try to be healthy, try to be healthy. We're not all perfect like you stomping, Jen. We can't all be. Oh, stop it. But we can try, right? Try to do better. There's all, all of us can make changes. That's right. To be better. Yeah. All right. Well, I am. I have to ask this question, um, um, Jay. Um, so we know that um, you work um, for this community access television and a, a, a municipality's um, media department. Um, you have heart attacks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what else do you like to do? What do you like to do for fun? Um. Well, as you know, quite a quite a gamer. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's funny. I've always been really into music, and kind of after the heart attack, I don't know. It just makes you think about the yeah. things that are important to you. And yeah, um, you know, I really, you know, got back into music after that, and I've been writing yeah. again, recording, and and even pushing myself to learn a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. it's just something I didn't do for so long so it, it was nice to kind of reconnect with that you know so what do you play yeah you um, talk to I him play... i have some music from him here let me oh, find you it do? you keep talking what do you play uh so i play bass guitar and drums mm-hmm. so i you know i've been playing since i was 14 or so um but over the past few years i just it wasn't something i spent a lot of time doing mm-hmm so it's been nice to really reconnect with that. Um, and I've been just, you know, I could sit here for hours now and just get lost in it. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's been nice to have that. 
People are so creative. Keep chatting with him about music. I I'm going to find this. Yeah, I think he's looking for some tracks. I know like what there. he's looking for. I don't know. I'm, I'm scrolling through all these messages from him yeah, about Henry are... Cavill. <laughs> he sends me He sends me a track. I, I have a man crush on Henry Cavill. He sends uh, me. I feel like we've talked about He sends me before. pictures of Henry. <laughs> Do you have a favorite? Um, what kind of music are your influences? Um, oh, so shit, I listen I to, I mean, I listen to everything. I know that's kind of cliche, but I, I funk is kind of the, the, the oh, genre yeah. I, I like most. Mm -hmm. um, I guess as a bass player, you kind of gravitate to some of that stuff because mm -hmm. they're so bass line heavy. But, um, you know, bands like Jamiroquai, Level 42 are probably some of my favorites. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, I listen to everything. I was the biggest fish head for a while. You were? Def definitely a metal I head. totally did not peg you for a fish head. But yeah, no, I used to tour, you know, go around on the tours. Uh-huh. Um, then I had kids, you know. So yeah. Was, like, that changed that. But, you know, that yeah. Yeah. Fun. And just music has always been a huge part of my life, so. Mm-hmm. I think I got it here. Keep talking. Oh just two gosh. more seconds. <laughs> I just um, other than that, no, I just gaming and spending time with with my daughters. You know. Yeah. So yeah, trying to enjoy life a little yeah, bit. Why isn't it playing? Oh Hold my on. God. He just gets keep like talking. lost in all this technical stuff. I see it like playing, but it's not. It's not uh, playing oh, through the phone. Oh, because you had it on yeah. mute. All right, this is some original J Bar stuff. Now I want to tell you this, uh, J. So, uh, I revealed your gaming name. Jay. He said um, he was going to do it. Yeah. This is some Jay music. So I have to tell a story. So oh my God. Jay, Jay was like, I'm going to write some music. And I said, oh, we should collaborate. We'll do a song. Right? Yeah. I was like, send me the music. I got this. I had no idea how to put words to this, Jay. It's some high level, really technical stuff. It's good, but I don't know how to put a single word to this. Yeah, I think I was telling you too. I was just kind of messing around with some different stuff. That yeah, because I had just got some new, new gear and, and you know, um, some recording software. So, Stomping Jam. We're yeah. sitting here with the composer of whatever this is. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it lovely when uh, somebody describes your music as whatever this is? No, I'm just joking around with it, but um, I can definitely feel that funk influence in this. Yeah, for sure. No, I get, so I, I guess like I need to get, I need to spend some more time getting some structured stuff going. It's just, uh, it's no. just been fun to record some quick loops. No, jam. I mean I loved it. Here. I loved it. I love like the energy in it, but I just I couldn't. I didn't know what to do with it. It's, but it's really good. I get just something a little bit more laid back. Yeah, I like. Um, like I like a strong melody, you know, something I can. What Put are you some looking lyrics at? Too. Stomping Jen staring at me like I don't know what I'm saying. What do you think? This is good, right? Yeah, you could come up with lyrics. It's like a little Scott. What's that in thing there? called? Something setback. What? That planning <laughs> oh, the... board thing. What? The set... a side yard setback. That's what this song's yeah. called. The side yard setback. Yeah. Side yard setback, you gotta put your fence back. You can't have it too close to the road. That's right, that's what a side yard side setback yard is. Side yard setback, <laughs> you gotta put up barriers. You oh, gotta... it's changed. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Oh, it gets a little Jamiro funkier. Nice. 
I think we got our song, Side Yard Setback. I'm going to work it. See? Get that published. I should be in a band, really. I think you guys should all collaborate. You guys are all very talented. Who's you guys? Your small council. No, 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 no. Oh, she mentioned them. All right. So, Jay, should we reveal your secret? We're not going to reveal your secret. It's okay. Nobody's listening. Whoever's listening to these episodes are not listening to those episodes. So, in early episodes... Uh, I was joined by a group of people known as the Small Council, and they all have pseudonyms like myself. I'm Sawtooth Frank, the undisputed leader of the Small Council. Oh my God. Right, Jay? Um, Jay's like, I don't know about that, but <laughs> yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, Your show, I'll, I'll allow that yeah. for you. He is a, he is one hell of a guest. One hell of a guest. You're going to go uh, off the rails now. Okay. So um, Stay on track. What happened? What was I saying? Keep it together. Well, it, we're not talking about it. We're listening to the music. That well, James I was going to explain something. You're not going to explain it. Oh, anyways, Jay is part of the small council. That's all you need to say. Yeah, it's perfect. Yep, and um, and his music I think is this great. Is my first appearance. I don't think I made it on any of those. Uh, I think you were on like one. I think you were on one. Very first one. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. You've also not visited us for quite some. Well, time. Well, nobody's yeah, visiting anybody. Yeah, now. I was just in that. I, I, I do get out to that area kind of quite a bit these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So music, music yeah. is what you do for fun. I love it. Yeah. I'm just going to keep playing it here in the background. Oh, I love it. Um, what else did I want to ask you? Um, he so, should make our theme song. I what? How, I already uh, did a theme song. Blue, how dare you? My theme song is amazing. <laughs> Don't you don't don't you start with that again? But how long have you guys been doing this now? It's gonna oh be God. well, ninety-four yeah. episodes. Two years, you do it like two weekly. Years. Yeah. yeah, almost two years. Almost right? two yeah, years. I can remember. Yeah, I can remember when you were like the getting we the first podcasters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's when been he, a- when when Sawtooth was like, "Let's do a podcast." I'm not gonna have any kind of a focus. I'm just gonna freewheel it. <laughs> I know it's been you know the evolution of this. You know, since we're talking about artistic stuff and music i mean it's like anything it's like art it evolves you know we started mm-hmm. off i you know with just jen and i and then i brought in the small council and then i tried well it was gonna be a small council project yeah. and then, then they, <laughs> nobody else had the commitment and the bandwidth for it yeah like you did <laughs> but again it's my, but you that's know, okay because it was project. your project right yeah. and then you drug me into it yeah but me into it like as i've as i've said all along I think you, um, you, I mean, I don't see this as my podcast, it's our podcast, mm-hmm. and I, I I don't even like to sit down behind these mics now without you, you know. Um, you just like to look at my pretty face. Well, <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Um, but well, I think uh, it's great, I think it's great you guys are having success with it, and you know, you've committed to it, and yeah, you know, bringing on some guests, and yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, and part and you. part thanks and part of it is you know I didn't we didn't I didn't start it to try to be successful or try to right. build up a following I just wanted to do this and because I love listening to podcasts and I thought maybe we had something to contribute to the medium so mm-hmm. yeah. um but once you get some more J J music together <laughs> we'll have to yeah. have you back on and debut it because yeah. um you are a fantastic guest. Yeah, thank you thank so you. much. Now, I, I can't wait. I have to, I do have to say, um, there was some 
there was some um, controversy around Jay's appearance here. Um, one of our other small council members, who's known as Vape Ape, um, claims he's, he is Jay Bar's exclusive entertainment agent, <laughs> and tried to prevent this appearance. So, what? yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that um, we were able to arrange this. Well, I'm super thrilled because I really wanted to learn more about community yeah. television, telemedia, and municipality television. Yeah, so we ha- we I have learned to, a lot. We have to ask the final question. We we've been asking this of all of our guests as of late. Um, have you ever seen anything you cannot explain? It could be supernatural. It could be anything else. We're just, I'm just curious. Yeah. Hmm. It could be a ghost. Yeah, I think could I've be... seen some crazy stuff in the sky that mm-hmm. it just didn't look like a plane. And, and with <laughs> all this UFO stuff coming out soon. Oh, sit down. You ready for yeah. another three hours? No, because no, we're not going to go there. Oh, we're going there. We're not going there. All right, fine. You can bring that to your yeah. You can bring that to your small yeah. council sessions. No, I, I mean, all all we'll say is we have crossed the line from um, theory into fact. So we really need to find Sawtooth a guest, and I really don't want to be part of that conversation. That. Uh, that is an expert. So out there, world, if you're interested in discussing this topic, please contact us. How dare you? All right. So, okay. So Jay has seen um, unexplained phenomena in the I sky. Would, yeah. Yep. So okay. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I think You'll this might be have, the end. Yeah. What else do we want to say? Um, I don't know. Just thank you again. This was great. Yeah, I really guys. enjoyed this. And I, and, and I have to say, I said this to you on chat you know i'm so glad you made it through that experience um you know i love you as a friend i love you you as a person um i'm glad you're glad you're here with us and we can continue having this conversation continue abusing each other (laughs) in in chats all right let's not go down that route all right stomping jen anything else no uh, stay safe wear a mask and to our listeners i must also spread the love we love you listeners thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed this one and we'll see you next week i think we have a really awesome guest lined up but we won't say who who they are oh yeah let me think of the i got the next two weeks yeah yeah um (laughs) so we have some really good stuff coming your way okay Cool. All right. Bye, everyone. Stomping right. Jen, we love you. What do you want to say? Bye now. Bye now.
all people will come to live together in a peace guaranteed 